Good morning, LifePoint family. It's great to be with you this morning. I was so excited when Pastor Ken called me just a few days ago and asked me to do this video for you and have the opportunity and the privilege of sharing the word with you. And I believe God's given me a word for you, so I pray the Lord will use me and anoint me to deliver the word and that he will anoint you to hear and receive it. If there was ever a time when we all need to hear a word from God, I believe it's now. I believe we're all hungry and thirsty for God now more than ever. So I'm delighted today to be with you for the next 20 to 25 minutes. I'm going to get right into the word. If you have your Bible on you, uh, your smartphone or perhaps uh, your iPad, whatever you're using, I want you to get it out and go with me to Psalm chapter 40. I want to talk to you for a few moments on the topic, drastic measures. We are in unprecedented times right now. We have no experience in our generations to compare to what is happening right now, all around us. And so I believe I have a word of encouragement for you. I believe I have a word of healing for you. And I believe God's going to give us hope today through his word. I want you to join me with your Bible in Psalm 40, and I'm just going to share with you the first three verses of Psalm 40. I'm reading from the New King James Version. The psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Aren't you glad the Lord hears you when you pray? He goes on, he also brought me up out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. Thank God for his word today. I want to change the order of these verses for just a moment and focus in on verse number two. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. If I had been the psalmist David, I would have placed verse 2 before verse 1. Why? Because verse 2 illustrates David's dilemma. The answer to the dilemma found in verse 1 has greater impact when you understand the dire nature of the problem. For this reason, I want to begin by focusing on verse 2. So this horrible pit that David is talking about refers to his own life experience. But I want to talk to you about the pit you're in. I want to talk to you about the pit that we are all in. I believe this applies not only to us individually, but it applies to uh, us corporately and as a nation. You've probably heard the saying the last few weeks, we may not all be on the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. It applies, doesn't it? I do believe, however, that we're all on the same boat, but I want to remind you today that Jesus is on your boat. So let's talk about this pit that we're in. The scripture describes it as a horrible pit, not just a pit, but a horrible pit. And the pit has something in it. The pit has at its bottom a layer of miry clay. Miry simply means muddy or boggy. It is the clay, however, that really captivates me. Now, up north, we don't know a whole lot about clay. But down in the south, the farther south you go, especially in the summertime, the ground turns red. 
I remember as a child driving to Tennessee to see family, I would always know that we were getting close when the dirt turned red. I came to know that that was clay, so I wanted to understand what clay is. It's simply formed from the erosion and the washing away of minerals in rock over a long period of time. This erosion doesn't occur overnight. It occurs over a vast expanse of time. It's like river rock when the water rushes over it for a vast expanse of time, generations, that rocks begin to be formed by the rushing of the water, and so the minerals washed away mixed with the soil for clay. Clay is full of minerals, and so it hardens when it's dry. That's why when the potter takes clay in his hands and forms it into something, and he puts it in the heat of the kiln, and he bakes it, uh, the clay, when the moisture is released, then it begins to harden and create that beautiful pot or dish that the potter has made. And so this is what David is describing in this horrible, horrible pit. It's a deep cistern or a well. If we were to look at the original Hebrew text, it's giving us a picture. And here's the picture that I see. I see a picture of David depicting himself in such a situation that he has likened it to being in a deep cistern. The cistern has at the bottom of it this layer of miry, muddy, thick clay, and his feet are stuck in that muddy and miry clay at the bottom. And on top of that clay is the rushing of water. This is a well he's in. So now, not only does this cistern have this layer of thick, miry clay in the bottom of it, but it has this rushing water. And on top of that, David is saying, as he depicts his dilemma, that he is about to drown in the cistern. His feet are stuck in the clay, and there is water rising almost as if David is saying, the water is rising upon me and overtaking me. Think about this picture for a moment. It's a word picture David is painting us to express his dilemma. He's saying, I was in a horrible pit. I was in this deep cistern that was full of miry clay at the bottom. I get this picture of quicksand in my mind that the more you move around, the more stuck you become and you sink deeper. And on top of that, if that's not bad enough, then the water begins rising. I can't get out of it and I'm running out of time. This clay that is formed is not something that happens overnight. It happens over a great expanse of time. You don't wake up one morning and find yourself in the miry clay. It's a situation that took time to create. It's a situation that's been going on day after day after day, and it's been getting worse and worse and worse, and suddenly you come to yourself and you realize you're stuck. Maybe you feel stuck today. I want to talk to people who feel like you're stuck in a pit. People who feel like there is no way to get out of the murky, miry quicksand that seems to be drawing your feet further down. And on top of that, you feel like the water is rising. You feel like perhaps if you don't get out of this, you're going to drown. You're overwhelmed. You're overcome. You're in this pit and you don't know what to do. Can I switch over and talk to you corporately as a church for a moment? We're all in this national, global situation together. I'm preaching to you from my home. You're watching me from your home, which means I'm not in the house of God, and you're not in the house of God, and we're not able to meet together, to worship together, and to encourage one another. These are unprecedented times. If a year ago I would have told you that the church was going to be closed down for two months, 
you would have told me I was crazy. If I had told you a year ago that we were going to be worshiping from home and not able to gather for church, you would have told me I was out of my mind. But here we are. We are in this global crisis. And let me tell you what's happened. It's made us feel stuck. It's made us feel like we're in a pit, like our feet are stuck in the murky and miry mud, that the water is rising around us, that we're overcome with worry and anxiety. Can I tell you what's on the rise? Depression and suicide are on the rise. I just heard a headline yesterday that a prominent megachurch pastor took his own life. It's becoming more and more of an epidemic. We are seeing domestic violence and child abuse is rising in the midst of this crisis because people are acting out. People are feeling hopeless. People are losing jobs and life savings and people are in danger of losing their homes and everything that they have because of this crisis. And I'm going to tell you something. This crisis didn't happen overnight. It has manifested as a health crisis, but the collateral effects are a moral and ethical crisis. There has been a slow and constant and steady erosion in this world, an erosion of civil liberties, an erosion of religious commitment, an erosion of honesty and integrity. And the clay that we are stuck in is likely a result of the moral erosion that's been taking place for generations. We're stuck in the mud. There is no way out of this, it seems. So now that I've painted this portrait for you, David's portrait is this. I'm in a well. I'm stuck down in this well. My feet are stuck in the miry clay. The water is rising and I don't see any way out. Now that we have a revelation of the dire nature of David's dilemma, we can step back to verse one now and shift our focus away from the problem and toward the solution. He said in verse one, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and he heard my cry. Now we know why David's praying this. Sometimes I wonder as I look at these verses why they're in the order that they're in. Maybe it's just the way my brain works. But now that I have this mental picture of verse 2, verse 1 makes a whole lot more sense. David is in this cistern and his feet are stuck in this clay. He's getting deeper. He's trying to claw his way out. And on top of all of that, the water is rising. Time is running out. Now, I understand how David feels. I understand his prayer now in verse 1 when he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined his ear to me and he heard my cry. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad God hears you when you pray? I did a Hebrew word study and discovered this. The word that is used here for wait, W-A-I-T, is the Hebrew word kavah. It means enduring with tension. Enduring with tension. It's like a bungee cord that you stretch it out and you stretch it out. And just when you feel like it won't stretch anymore, it's still enduring. But it's under tension. Enduring with tension. 
attention. David is saying, I waited, but it was tough. I waited, but it hurt. I waited, but it caused me pain. I waited, but I lost some things. I waited, but some friends gave up on me. I waited, but it cost me something. Come on, somebody. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting for God to lift you up, waiting for God to give you a healing, waiting for God to give you a deliverance. And David is saying, I identify with you. He said, I waited patiently. In other words, he had to keep on waiting. Even when God didn't answer today, he waited until tomorrow. And tomorrow came and God didn't answer that day. So he waited again and he waited and he waited and he waited and it caused a stretching. David said, I waited to the point that it stretched me. When you stretch that bungee cord and you get it so far that you think it won't stretch anymore, if you will pull just a little more, it'll stretch just a little more. David said, I waited to the point that God stretched me farther than I thought I could ever go. I'm going to tell you, you may feel like you're at the end of your rope, but it's not a rope. It's a bungee cord. You may feel like you're stretched as far as you can go, but I believe that if you will just wait just a little bit longer, God sees the pit that you're in. He sees the miry clay that your feet are stuck in. He knows the water is rising and you're running out of time and he has not turned his eyes and ears away from your prayer. I believe God saw David's waiting to the point of stretching. In fact, David said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined his ear to me. Hallelujah. I want to show you what's happening. This picture David is painting for us is a picture of him reaching up out of that pit and stretching himself and tension is being caused by his waiting but do you know what incline means it's the hebrew word natah it means to spread out or to stretch yep you heard it right so this is what david is saying listen to what i'm about to say it's going to encourage you and lift you up david said i waited and i waited and i waited and i stretched and i stretched and i stretched until i couldn't stretch anymore then god heard my prayer and he stretched out back to me i stretched as far as i could go and then god stretched the rest of the way and he grabbed me and he lifted me up out of that horrible horrible pit that I was in. I've come to tell you that if you will stretch yourself to the Lord, when you get to the place you feel like you can stretch no further, God is going to stretch his right arm of power into that well that you're in and his grip and his power will release you from that miry clay, that thing that you've been stuck in. God is going to deliver you when he stretches out his arm. Hallelujah. I believe with all of my heart, God is going to do it. So don't fret. Don't fear. God is going to reach for you when you reach for him. Hallelujah. My, that's a good word. Let's go to the end of verse two. He's not only brought me out of the miry clay, but he set my feet upon a rock and he established my steps. What's David doing? He's painting another word picture for us. This is what the psalmist does. He paints word pictures. He's wanting to give us another mental image. He gives us this mental image of his dilemma that he's in this pit, this cistern with miry clay at the bottom that his feet are stuck in. The water is rising on top of it. Time is running out. But suddenly, after his waiting, God showed up. God stretched for him when David stretched for God and pulled him up. And now David is 
painting for us the drastic change that took place when God intervened. God went to drastic measures to bring David from a drastic dilemma to a drastic victory. Look at what he says. He set my foot on a rock. The Hebrew word for rock used in this passage is selah. It is indicative of a cliff or a mountain. And to be established is the word kun, to be firm, to get yourself ready. So now David is painting a picture that God has set him on this cliff, this mountain. His feet are on steady ground and God has made his steps sure. Now David is painting this picture that is drastically opposite from the dilemma in verse 2. Now he's standing on a mountain. He's standing on firm ground. He has been made ready. He has been made strengthened. He has been prepared. And he said, God established me. He got me ready for what was next. He prepared me for my next steps, for my going, for my journey. I used to be in this deep pit. My feet stuck in the mud. The water was rising. But how drastic are the measures of God to deliver us? Just when you think you're about to drown in that cistern, in that well, in that pit, God turns the world upside down for you so that you go from the pit to the mountaintop and you are on solid ground. God has given you the exact opposite of where you were yesterday. What a drastic measure. God's deliverance in my life is going to be so drastic that when people see it, they won't be able to help but to see it. I believe when God brings you out of the pit that you're in, people won't be able to ignore what a drastic difference God has made in your life. I believe God is bringing you out drastically and you're going to know that it was the hand of God because there could have been no other way for you to be delivered out of the miry clay, out of the pit, and your feet to be stood on a rock. And when people notice it, something's going to happen. This is the third thing that I want to share with you. As he said in verse three, he has put a new song in my mouth. I could spend some time there, but I'm going to move on. Even praise unto our God. Listen, many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. The Hebrew word that is used translated to trust means to trust to the point of commitment, to feel secure. I want you to know that security comes from commitment. It doesn't come from money or your job or anything that you have seen as secure. It comes from commitment. And I believe this is what is happening. The reason God brings us out of our pit and then puts us so drastically opposite of where we were up to a mountaintop that people see that transformation. They see the power of God and it makes such an impact on them watching what God has done that they trust him to the point of commitment. This is what I believe. I believe that this global pandemic, this crisis that we have been in as a nation, as a world, as a church, is going to give way to revival. I've been saying this for weeks. I believe revival is coming to the world like it never has before. And I believe what's going to happen is that the level of commitment in the church is going to solidify. Leading to up to this pandemic, we have watched the erosion of people's commitment to the body of Christ, the erosion of their commitment to the Lord, their commitment to the church. But I believe what's happened is that God is going to give us such a drastic deliverance out of this situation that people are going to be 
begin to commit themselves like never before because they know that it is nothing but the hand of God that has brought them out. Hallelujah. Pastor, commitment is coming back to the church. Those people that were on the fringe and never really involved commitment is coming back to the church. You're going to see God tighten up the ranks. And I believe that as God delivers and people see, they are going to see it and fear and trust in the Lord to the point of commitment, not just a fly by night, not just a tear and a prayer, but people are going to be transformed and they're going to commit to the Lord Jesus Christ. A revival of commitment is coming to the body of Christ. I believe it with all of my heart. Do not fret. Do not be afraid. God has got drastic measures in his plan in very short order. He's going to take you out of that pit that you're in with your feet stuck in the clay and the water rising to your chin. And he's going to put you on a mountain and prepare you for the journey that you've been waiting for. And it's going to be noticed to the point where people are going to commit themselves like they've never committed themselves before. Because the only security they will find is in the commitment to the creator of heaven and earth. My Lord. This message gives me hope. Honey, I want you to know that when this pandemic is over and the world begins to move again, God had you through the pandemic and God will have you beyond the pandemic. God has got you. And if he has to pull off some drastic measures to bring you out of the pit that you're in, I want to encourage you today that he will Go to drastic measures for every one of his children. Be encouraged. I'm so excited for what God is doing. I can't wait to see you face to face again. God bless you, Pastor Ken and Sister Jamie. I love you. I love my life point family. And I look forward to the time when I can come back and see you face to face and we can worship together again. Have a great Sunday.